Hello everyone and we bless you in the name that is above every name in the name of Jesus and we speak life to you today. We speak hope, we speak faith and a bright future. Just know this, God is on our side and he's got this all under his control. We love you so much and we thank you for joining us today. I need you to do me a few favors right now. Hit that share button, share this with someone, share this on your Facebook page. Also tag a friend in the comments and uh, it will make them aware that there's a word coming forth. Now listen, this word is going to carry a prophetic edge to it today. And so I'm very excited and enthusiastic. Enthusiasm comes from two words, in theos or in God. And today we rest in him. Today we rest in God. And there's revelation that's going to go forth from this house today right into your living room or wherever you are watching from. It's going to change your life, not just challenge you, not just charge you. It's literally going to change you. So prepare your hearts now to receive the word of the Lord. We're entering in to the Super Bowl for Christianity. This is it. This is the big week. This is when it all goes down. Christ lived an entire life for this moment. We're going to pick up in John chapter 12. I'm going to read a few verses of scripture and we're going to get right into this prophetic word. John chapter 12 and verse 12, the Bible says, On the next day, much people that were come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. Now you need to look at someone next to you right now and just tell them he will arrive. He will arrive. All right. So when they heard Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, They took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him. And they cried one word, Hosanna. Blessed is the king of Israel that comes in the name of the Lord. And Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, said on it, as it is written, fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming. Zion, do not be afraid. Fear not. Why? Because your king is coming. Hallelujah. And he's sitting on a colt. These things understood not his disciples at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then remembered they that these things were written of him and that they had done these things unto him. The people, therefore, that was with him when he called Lazarus out of his grave and raised him from the dead bear record. We talked about that last week. Verse 18, for this cause, the people also met him for that they had heard that he had done this miracle. What miracle? Raising Lazarus from the dead. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, perceive ye how ye prevail nothing. Watch what they said. Behold, the world is gone after him. The world has gone after Jesus. What are we facing right now? A pandemic in the world. And I'm telling you, some of you are praying for an American revival, not me. I'm praying for a global revival, a worldwide revival. So today I'm going to preach this prophetic message to you entitled, The Entry to the Exit. Let us pray. Father, we break every generational curse and we dismiss every generational spirit. And first of all, we speak healing in every home, even emotional healing. We speak a peace that passes understanding into every living room, to every person that is viewing this today. 
Thank you for the anointing that we feel, just a few of us feel right here in this building. And we know that that is tangible, not just conspicuous, but tangible to the people who are watching this today. So we ask you to bless them with an indeed blessing. We celebrate you and we thank you for this moment. In Jesus' name, everyone said praise the Lord. Psalm 118 verse 25 says these words, save now. I beseech thee, O Lord, I beseech you, save now and send now prosperity. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. You know, I don't need to tell you this is an interesting time. I think we all know that. I was watching the news last night and they said that the apex of this pandemic in our country will be in the next two weeks. So the next two weeks is real pivotal. So we all have to be more aware, more cognizant of what's happening. We must stay home as much as we don't like that. You know, I was thinking, you know, this is only, only the second time in Jewish history that God said, stay home. The first time was in Exodus chapter 12. He said, go home and put the blood over your doorposts. And I'm praying the blood over your house today. Yes, well, we're yes. going to talk about that on Friday. On. But the next two weeks represent the pinnacle of what we as believers stand for. Come on, sir. It is just interesting that the apex of this pandemic and the announcement of God's purpose arrive at the same time. Wow. It's almost like there's a showdown going on. So I say today, let the standoff begin. Or, or what we used to say back Come in the day, on. let's get it on. Let's go, right? So this pandemic has paralyzed the world. This thing has no prejudice. It has no, it has no prejudice to it. It's attacking everyone. The impact is universal. So I'm just telling you stuff you already know that this virus is ruthless and its effect is far reaching. As much as anything we've ever seen, it showed up suddenly. It showed up abruptly. It suspended normality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what yeah, kind yeah. of power it's packing. Yeah. It suspended what was normal. Wow. And we don't know when normal is going to return or if normal will ever return. Right, right, right. But I can tell you this, there's an end to this season yes, yes, and Jesus yes, is yes, going to yes. be glorified. So Amen. I started thinking about how this thing made its entry, right? A scientist described the entry of the coronavirus on this, this wise, he said, to infect a human host, a human host, to infect a human host, viruses must be able to gain entry into the individual human cells. Did you hear that? To infect the human host, it needs an, an individual to make entry to. He goes on to say, if we think of the human body as a house and COVID-19 or the coronavirus as a robber, there's this receptor that sets up on the top of the surface of respiratory cells. That would be known as the doorknob to the house. Wow. Yeah. And once the virus grabs the doorknob, the virus can enter or make its entry into the house. He said, it's the stickiness of this virus 
and the speed of its movement that has rocked our world. Did you hear that? The stickiness of this virus and the speed of the movement that has rocked the world. So I thought, what's the counter to that? We as the people of God are going to have to stick to our conviction like never before. We're going to have to hold to our faith like never before. God will bring the speed if we will stay the course. But we must stay the course. So COVID-19, coronavirus entered abruptly. It entered suddenly. And it seems like it entered with pride. I'm invisible, but y'all are going to do what I say to do. Well, I serve a Savior I've never seen. Come on now, sir. You serve a God that you have never laid eyes on. Two invisible forces are colliding at this moment. But I want you to know you serve a Savior that has never lost the battle. He has always won the war. And he will win this one as well. But the entry of Christ is different than the entry of COVID-19. A major difference. How did Jesus enter? This, This is very interesting to me. The specific part of the final episode of Christ's drama on this earth is called, listen to it, the triumphal what? Entry. The triumphal entry. This day in history is known, you know what is known, it's Palm Sunday. This is the beginning of the final week. Hmm. I want you to notice what it doesn't say. It does not say the triumphal entrance. It doesn't say the triumphal entrance. The entrance described where he entered. The entrance is where he entered. The Bible tells us in John 12 that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. That's where he entered. He entered into the house or the city of peace. Well, that's powerful to think that the Prince of Peace is coming to the house of peace. It's powerful to think the Prince of Peace is coming to the city of peace. Because I can tell you, according to the gospel writer Matthew, that when he arrived, the city was shaking. They said there was movement in the city. The word movement there is seismic in the Greek. The city began to tremor. I don't know about you all, but I feel a shaking going on right now. It's almost like we're in the book of Hebrews. That everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And those things that cannot be shaken shall remain. And there's this whole shaking thing going on in the earth right now. So I looked at it and I thought, you know, that's his entrance. That's where he entered Jerusalem. But the entry describes not where he entered, but how he entered. Entrance is where, but entry is how. There's a difference between the entrance and the entry. I hope y'all hear me today. Share this right now. Somebody going to need this. Example, I was thinking of examples of entry. I thought about my wedding. Giovanna has made a lot of entries in her life. But I promise you, she hadn't spent as much time as she did that day to get ready for her entry. She could have entered anywhere. Her entrance could have come from any direction, but her entry is what made her special. She could have walked in from the side of the building, but because of what she was wearing and what she came to do, it got all the attention in the room. 
Can I tell you the world is about to look at Jesus right now? Because how he enters is more important than where he enters. I hope you hear this. When a president enters the room to make a State of the Union address, that's an entrance like no other entrance he will ever make. Do y'all hear me talking to you? I was thinking about boxing, right? As simple as that is. I don't know if y'all watched Tyson Fury in his last fight. But he entered in on a throne with a big crown on his head. He made this grand entry. It's how you enter. That's your entry. Zechariah saw it through the prophetic lens of prophecy in Zechariah 9.9. He saw his entry and he described it like this. Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph. That's why they call it the triumphal entry. Oh, people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous. He is victorious. Yet he is humble. And he's riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. Riding on a donkey's colt. You've heard this preached many times, but I wrote it like this. The donkey was ridden as a sign of peace, meaning the victory had already been won. Y'all need to hear that. This is already over. We're just replaying what already played out. And I can promise you he's never lost a victory. He wins every time. And they says, the Bible says right here, he comes in riding on a donkey, riding on peace, going into peace. He's the prince of peace. And he's saying, now I'm coming in here because I don't have to come in here on a war horse because this battle is already won. So I thought about it and I thought, man, this is his entry to the battlefield of eternity. This is his entry for the fight of the future. And I thought to myself, now hold on a minute. Is he teaching us a lesson? Think about it. The fight that we are in is requiring something of us, folks. You better hear that. The victory's already been won. The question is, are you going to enjoy it or just endure it? All right, sir. If you know it's one, even though there are restrictions on your life, you can still rejoice because you know he has already won the battle. It's not pride that's going to win this, y'all. It's not how many scriptures you can quote, how tall you can stand against adversity. The entry is not just a place of access, but it is often an attitude followed by an action. I'm going to say that again. This entry is not just a place for access, but it is often an attitude. It's the posture of access, not the place of access. It's an attitude followed by an action. I believe, this is just my conviction, that if we will come at this the right way, preach in the building. If we'll come at it the right way, this thing will leave faster than predicted. But we as believers have to come at it the right way. How then, Pastor Rick? Come at it with humility and come at it with prayer. That's how he came at it. He came humble. 
the Lord spoke to me this morning, spoke to me yesterday as I was walking, and he said, you better declare this among my people. It is time for humility. Yeah, okay, sir. Amen. We receive it. Right. It's time for humility, not superstars. Yeah. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and what pray, we we can just stop right there. We ain't even got that part right yet. If we will just humble ourselves and pray, attitude and action. Humble yourselves. The Bible tells us a story in 2 Chronicles 12, 6, where, whereupon the princes of Israel and the king, listen to what the Bible says, humbled themselves. And they said, the Lord is righteous. And when the Lord saw that they, when the Lord saw that they humbled themselves, the word of the Lord came saying, they have humbled themselves. Now watch this. Therefore, I will not destroy them, but I will grant them deliverance. Because they humbled themselves, I will grant them deliverance. The apostle Peter says it like this in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. For God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you. Watch this. In due time. Not your time. In due time. Cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you. The apostle James said it like this in chapter 4, verse 6. Wherefore, God says, he resists the proud, but he gives grace unto the humble. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. How do you humble yourselves? It's very simple. It's time for us to lower ourselves in our own eyes. Not in other people's eyes. You need to get a new perspective of yourself. We need to get a who am I back in our hearts. Who am I that you would choose me? Who am I that you would save me? Who am I that I would be able to preach the gospel? Who am I? You chose this guy? That's humility and we need to get back to that. We not all that special, y'all. I'm sorry, we're not. We only, we only who we are because of who he is. If it wasn't for him, we would have no credence. We would have no significance. We wouldn't be that important. God gave you everything you have. Jesus said, without me, you are nothing. Think about that. So he says, humble yourselves. Lower yourselves in your own eyes. Quit thinking so highly of yourself. Humble yourself. If my people who are called will humble themselves. So how did he make his entry? Through humility. You know what I say? As we approach this thing this coming week with humility, this depression, this disease, this feeling of despondency is going to begin to be pulled out of this earth by the power of the Holy Ghost. So I go on thinking about this particular text and I looked at not only how he entered, but when he entered. See, timing is so important to purpose. Many times Jesus was trying to, people tried to push Jesus into another time to do something out of the calendar of heaven, and he refused to do it. John, John chapter 12, verse 20 says, the Jews, there were certain Greeks, I'm sorry, among them that came to worship at the feast, and they came, therefore, Philip, who was 
That's a Greek name, which was of Bethesda of Galilee, and they desired him. Watch what they said. Boy, don't miss this, folks. Sir, we would see Jesus. Now watch this. When they said that, Jesus answered, the hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. In verse 27, now my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. For this cause came I unto this hour. When did Jesus say my hour has come? When people started saying we want to see Jesus. You know what I hear in this hour right now? People saying we want to see Jesus. It's not how big your ministry is. It's not how big your church is. People are not wanting to see your church. They're wanting to see Jesus. And it's our responsibility to present Jesus correctly. It's time for us to show this world Jesus. And he says, what should I say? Lord, deliver me from this moment. This is the moment I've been waiting for. Can I tell you, this is the time God knew was coming and he was waiting for it to arrive. Are you going to tell me we're not fabricated for this? You going to tell me we're not built to face this time? Yes, we are. It's our hour. It's our moment. It is our time. The word hour literally means predetermined time. Nothing has ever caught God by surprise. God is not shocked. His plan is not in jeopardy. He knew this hour was coming and he was ready for it. Are you ready for it? See, John chapter two, verse four, he said to his own mother, what have I to do with you? My hour is not yet come when she tried to cause him to do something there wasn't time to do. John 5, 25, Jesus said the hour is coming. John 7, 30, he said the hour is not yet come. John 8, 20, he said it again, the hour is not yet come. But suddenly his speech and his dialogue changes. When people say, sir, we would see Jesus. Yeah. Now he says, my hour has come. He said, my soul is troubled, but I'm not going to ignore this time. Can I tell you that your heart may be troubled. You may be perplexed, but you are ready for this. You've got this in Jesus name. We're going to make it. Can someone say amen to that? When Jesus knew John 13, one, that his hour was come that he should should depart from the earth. The Bible says he loved those disciples until the end. His circle got smaller as the cross drew nearer. Right? John 17, 1. Are you seeing the, the, the progression here? John 17, 1. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that thy son may glorify you. It was the culmination. It was the consummation of everything that brings forth God's glory. Can I submit something to you today? God's going to get glory out of this. God will get glory out of this. Now, I'm I'm going to start closing this down, but real real quick, for the next 45 minutes, (laughs) let me just say this to you. When Jesus says in John 12, 23, he answered them saying that hours come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Please listen to your Savior's, Savior's perspective of a season of suffering. I'm going to say it again. Please listen to your Savior's perspective in a season of suffering. The Son of Man must be glorified. He did not say the Son of Man must die. It's a matter of perspective. It's how he saw it. The question is, how are you looking at this? 
How are you? I'm dying. No, you're not dying. God is being glorified. God is receiving glory from his people because we have said this hour is not going to move us. We're going to keep giving him glory. The son of man should be glorified to render or to esteem glorious or to arrive at a place of manifested excellence. Glory to God. It's a matter of perspective. When you see suffering in your future, when you feel suffering in your circumstances right now all around you, stop saying I'm dying and start saying God is being glorified. He's going to get glory out of this situation. I I, want to hit just a few more things here. Man, I feel God in this sanctuary. Let Let me share this with you. When he showed up, he brought stuff with him. See, the Bible says in Zechariah 9 where we read, daughter of Jerusalem, behold, your king is coming. He is just. Watch this. And here we go prophetically. Listen to me. Having salvation. He's not just showing up, y'all. He's showing up with salvation. He's carrying something with him. He's showing up with salvation to save or to be delivered. To be delivered from danger or to be victorious. So upon his entry, his purpose is stated very clearly. Upon his entry to his exit, the purpose never changed. What are you saying, Pastor Rick? Do you not remember in Matthew 121? The angel comes down with a message. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people. He arrived in this earth with a message. I'm here to save. My God today, he will save. There's no room for negotiation in those words. He will save. There's no compromise to that conclusion. He will save. He will save. There's no opportunity for error in that statement. He will save. He will save. There's no miscommunication to his mission. He will save. He will save. There's no sidestep in this statement. He will save. He will save. With an emphatic exclamation, he says, I will save. He will save. The original intention is the final decision. He lands in the earth saying, I'm here to save. He walks into the final week of his life saying, I'm here to save. And I'm here to tell you, he will save. There's no doubt about that dialogue. He will save. Somebody ought to shout hallelujah right there. He will save. So I thought to myself, why this cry? Why this cry? John 12, 13, they took branches of palm trees, went forth to meet him, and they cried, Hosanna! Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna! A word that had never been used in the Bible. First time it's ever been recorded right here. A lot of firsts going on here, Josh. First word, Hosanna. A donkey that's never been ridden. <laughs> a fight that had never been fought, wow. a victory that had never been won, okay. all, first. all first. And they're crying, Hosanna! Hosanna. You know what it means, right? Ooh. I pray thee, yes. save, 
now. I pray, be open now to defend us and rescue us. I wish you would lift your hands right now and tell him, Lord, be open to defend us and be open to rescue us. See, if you're saying hallelujah, you're saying I praise you for what you've done. But when that dialogue shifts from hallelujah to hosanna, you're saying I praise you not for what you've done, but I praise you for what you're about to do. Somebody ought to lift their hands in a living room in this country, around this world and say hosanna. Lord, I praise you in the middle of this problem, in the middle of this pestilence, in the middle of this plague, and I give you a hosanna. I praise you for what you are about to do. Save now. Save now, I beseech you, O Lord. Send now blessing. Do it now. Somebody ought to throw their hands up and say, now, Lord, now. We humble ourselves and we cry now. Do it now, God. I thought about that word now. And here's what I discovered. The greatest word is God. The deepest word is soul. The longest word is eternity. The swiftest word is time. The darkest word is sin. The meanest word is hypocrisy. The broadest word is truth. The strongest word is right. The tenderest word is love. The sweetest word is home. The dearest word is mother, but the nearest word is now. Save now. Hosanna. Save now. Oswald Chambers said these words, there's no other time than now with God. No past, no future with God. There's only now. I like that. Charles Spurgeon said it like this. Now is the watchword of the wise. Woo! So when he made his humble entry into the arena, let's fix it. Let's fix it today. When he made his humble entry on a donkey, I said into the arena, get it right, y'all. Gethsemane is the boxing ring. Jerusalem is the arena. See, he wants to deal with us before he deals with him. He wants to deal with us before he deals with the pestilence. He's coming for the arena. He'll deal with the boxing ring when the bell rings. But right now, he got to deal with us. He's got to get our perspective right. He's got to get our heart and attitude set on him. I don't want to preach no more than that. I, I just feel this thing. But watch this here. I'm going to leave you with this. John 12, 13. Don't miss this here. This is prophetic. They took palm branches. Now, you've heard everybody in the world preach on them palm branches. But I saw something today that I thought was very interesting. First of all, the palm tree is known as the prince tree of the vegetable kingdom. The prince. He's the what? Prince of peace. It's the prince tree of the vegetable kingdom. I discovered this. When all other trees are struggling to find survival... The palm tree always has its fronds, its fronds lifted in victory. It always has its branches lifted in victory. It's evergreen. It's ever fresh. The palm tree. But here's what stands out to me. The leaves of the palms are distinctive because they're always at the top 
of the tree. And they form a crown or a corona. Y'all ain't hearing me preaching here. The palm branches form a crown or they form in Latin a corona. The Lord spoke to me and he said, read Revelation. Go all the way to the end. I got something to say. He brought me to chapter 7, verse 9. After this I beheld and a great multitude which no man could number of all nations of kindreds of people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white, white robes. Watch this. And they had palms in their hands. And they cried with a loud voice saying, Salvation to our God which sits upon the throne and to, un, unto the Lamb. Watch this. God spoke to me as I was walking yesterday and he said, you tell my people that I'm about to snatch branches off that corona. All right, come on. You better hear me. It's Christ versus COVID-19. And I can tell you that the crown of the coronavirus is about to bow down to the power and presence of God. This pestilence is about to turn to God's praise. This, I want you to say it with me, this is the beginning of the end to this virus. In Jesus' name, it starts turning today. It starts leaving this nation today. It starts leaving cities today. It starts leaving families today. It starts leaving this globe today. In the name of Jesus, it's no accident. It's no accident that the virus, COVID-19, and the Christ met at the same time. Are you going to tell me that you really believe this virus is going to defeat the vision of God's people? I tell your neighbor, I don't think so. It's not going to happen. Christ will win. And I believe today, the beginning of Holy Week, the virus is starting to turn. What we got to do is keep Hosanna in our mouth. Save now. Throw your hands up right now and shout it again. Save now. Save now, God. Hosanna. Hosanna. Let it ring in your living room. Hosanna. Let it ring in your car, wherever you are. Hosanna. You ought to be saying it right now to the top of your lungs. Hosanna. This is his hour. This is his time. Father, I speak now to every person that is watching. First of all, that they enter right, that we enter this thing with humility, that we would humble ourselves. Yeah. Humbling ourselves means giving it to you. We're not trying to control it anymore. We release control. And we say, God, you're sovereign. You've got this. You know what you're doing. So we humble ourselves by saying, I must decrease and you must increase. Take over, God. We humble ourselves. That's how we're going to enter this week with humility. And Father, as we enter this week, our purpose leans into this hour. And we say our hour has come. The body of Christ must stand in this hour. We're leaning toward the crucible. We're ready for this time. We've got this in the name of Jesus. I hope I got intercessors out there praying right now. You'd ought to just put in the comments right now. Hosanna, 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 Hosanna. Just put it in the comments. And then finally, Lord, 
We speak as we sing Hosanna that the pestilence is turning to a praise. Yeah, the plague is turning into a praise. Right there in our house, it's turning to a praise in Jesus' name. Bless our people, keep them, and I plead the blood of Jesus over them. Now listen, with your eyes closed right there in your house, wherever you are, there are people that are going to see this that don't know Jesus. I want you to give your heart to your Savior today. I want you to give your heart to Jesus Christ. Your only hope is not in the government. No, it's not in your money. You're going to learn that. Our only hope is in Christ himself. In Christ alone, we have put our trust. In Christ alone, we stand. So right now, I pray you'll give your heart to him. Just ask him to come into your heart right there where you are and be your savior. And if you're praying that prayer right now and you're asking Jesus to come into your heart, let us know. Send us a message telling us things change for you today. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. God is good. I can't wait to get to Wednesday. Because Wednesday we're going back to Bethany. That's what he did on Wednesday. He left the hot house to, went to go back to the worship house. He had to go get some oil. He had to go get some oil. Between Palm Sunday and his resurrection, he had to make a detour to go back to Bethany to get some oil. We're going to talk about it Wednesday night, and we're going to worship together. You can worship right now. You know, we worship God when we give. Giving is a form of worship. And I want to take a moment and pause and tell Quest Church and our partners from around this nation, from all over the world, y'all give. And I want to tell you thank you. I got to tell you, two weeks ago, I was very concerned. I thought, Lord, what is going to happen to the giving but our people have stood strong, and I want to thank you for your commitment. And I'm going to ask you to keep doing it. Text to give the word Quest Norman to 77977. Text Quest Norman to 77977. Or you can give on questchurch.com.